You are listening to the Heart of Tradition podcast. All right, it's been a while, but want to do a podcast today on anosmia. I think that's how you say it. Um, the loss of smell and how to kind of overcome that. Uh, there's a lot of people that are having this effect of like coronavirus and, you know, other respiratory and different types of illnesses that can trigger this. Uh, most of the time it comes back. Sometimes it takes months, but in general, they say for coronavirus, it takes a couple months. But I mean, for the people that are affected as much by that, but so you can't be impatient, I guess. But at the same time, there is some things you can do. Uh, there's also people out there that it has not come back, and those are more that's that, that can bring about depression and a lot of other different things because of the lack of there's kind of like a sadness around all that, of course. Um, and so, um, <clears throat> but so you know, with the exception of patience and and you know typical healing and you know cod liver oil and fermented cod liver oil and and the things like you know the. the the little carrot and ginger kind of little juices that you can make that are real small, maybe some celery too, but they're only about two fingers on a glass. They're baby glasses, but you take them daily and these can help during these periods um, of sickness. And your body will let you know if it wants that because it'll show up very orange in your stools if none of it's being absorbed. And sometimes you'll be surprised that during some sort of sickness, you're like, wow, everything is being absorbed. Of course, you're not drinking big glasses because that's not healthy. But you're taking these small ones daily. It's like a medicinal way to weaponize these things in small doses but uh, on a daily basis. And so your body will let you know. And sometimes after you come out of the, the lung part, you know, where you fought and you've won over or whatever, um, then your body will kind of start – you'll start seeing the orange in the stool again if you're, if you're still continuing. And you're like, oh, okay. So the body didn't need – it doesn't need this anymore. <clears throat> Or it needs way less of it or whatever. Um, so like a moderate, you know, a couple of times a week or whatever. So you'll see. And your skin, you know, the skin kind of improves too. I know that in Germany back in the old days, they would mix cream with uh, the carrot juice. And that would create this really powerful, uh, they use it for pneumo um, uh, what was it called? tuberculosis, uh, convalescence, and a lot of different situations that we would think, no, no, no milk. But, you know, this was a high quality. And so you can do that again today, um, but you have to really get some A2 cream, Guernsey cream, high iodine cream with like a little intense aftertaste. Not these acidic creams that, you know, you try to make cheese with the, the milk or the cream or you try to, well, you try to make cheese with that milk from that, um, not the cream. But um, and there's this acidic smell in the house, but it's like overly acidic, kind of like nasty smell, you know, there's no sweetness in it. And so that's what we get in some of these milks. I've seen a lot of California milks that are like that, not in the North, in the North of California, you have some really interesting areas, which are, have a climate that resembles a little bit like Scotland. And that's a perfect milk climate up there. Um, you know, with that green lush grass all year round, I mean, that's intense. So you can't reproduce that in the North, but, but in the South, like let it go, you know? So uh, the South is in generally a worse milk climate, you could say <clears throat> in a general way, with the exception of certain conditions, you know, like someplace like Charleston, where you have high iodine in the vegetation and, you know, this humidity and the ocean and a lot of things that are, you know, these a lot of this high, high oyster count. I don't know if, you know, you know, they say you can 
judge a community or an area or a, um, I don't know what you would call that, I guess like a natural preserve by its oysters. And so you can see what um, what's healthy there. I mean, it's kind of obvious. When you go to Charleston, you see all these dolphins everywhere, or just like thousands of them all the time. You're like, okay, there's life here. There's something going on. <clears throat> but so there's certain climates in the south and mountains and different combinations that can create low or high iodine realities that can change the milk. So um, it's not just north-south, but there is kind of a rule that the northern milk is going to be better. <clears throat> it's going to be fatter and it's going to be, you know, a lot of times we have to import these fats and milks too because they come from a regions that has enough abundance where they can export. And so that's a, that's a sign um, that they're able to produce this high mineral, like, you know, for example, the Isigny region in France, which is like, you know, this kind of near like a marais type of area where I guess you'd say marshes. Um, so it's not like a swamp. It's like a salt marsh. It's close to. And so this vegetation takes on a salty iodine property and then the cows and the sheep and everything eats that. And then you have this amazing milk, right? So there's combinations like that that we can't just reproduce just because we're in the middle of Texas. We're going to like make that happen. It's like, no, sometimes you got to import. Milk may be harder, to import, you know, Laurel milk and all that kind of stuff, but, but, um, or impossible with the FDA, but, but, you know, the butters and, and the creams and some of these things can be done. You know, one of the biggest cream producers in the world, um, that they use for the, the scones at, and the, and the strawberries at Wimbledon is the, they call it the Queen's cream. And that is from a place called Devonshire. And they export these little Devon creams all around the world in these little glass jars. And it stores for months and months and months if you don't open it. So there's a way to do all this um, to get things, you know, it's just it's about demand and knowing about things. So anyway, that was a little side, side shoot on that. <laughs> but um, it's really important for... Um, to understand milk and its iodine carrying capacity and how that animal iodine is way better than all the vegetal iodine that people try to get you to take or mineral iodine or these kind of solutions and stuff. The, the vegetal iodine is one level, you know, and then you have like more, um, you know, like seaweed and things like that. But and these things can work. I'm not saying they don't work, but it's all about assimilation and it's all about letting the body take things in in a certain type of way. And so when the animal's taking it in and then and then it's in its animal form, just like with all the other vitamins, there's like 10 times more strength in it. And so that iodine that comes through high iodine milk, you can absorb immediately into the body, like immediately into the lungs, including the lactoferrin and all these things. So these things, lactoferrin is like a hidden iron inside the milk. And this helps detoxify the lungs too, even though you may think, oh, mucus, it's helping, right? It's helping push some things out. So there's a lot of understanding that has to go on to any of these podcasts because you can't just come from, you can't just stay on the subject, so to speak. That, that That's like, that's like last millennium. <laughs> you kind of have to stay, you know, like you have to build a circular way that people can see what's happening with the subject that you're standing on. And so um, 
Anyway, um, so that's important because that's we're talking about coronavirus and disease and, and any of these type of flu symptoms and whatever. So they're all like out there. There's a lot of fear porn, of course, with all of these things where we, we go too far overboard into like protecting ourselves and things that don't work, you know, like masks don't work and certain things like that don't really, they're not going to stop anything, but whatever. Um, and so just trying to learn how um, to to get through this. And so... Um, you know, for the for the for the losing of smell and the anosmia, um, um, I would say that the easiest way to overcome it outside of like, because if patience doesn't work and just typical healing, and you know, staying on your 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 healing modality and homeopathy and a lot of things that I've talked about in many different podcasts, if if these aren't strong enough in that moment, well, you have to wait. But if you can't, but if it's if it goes beyond that. There's an interesting thing you can do. Um, w- one is you you kind of have to revert back to the animal, which is typically not what I recommend to people because I don't want to take people back into the wrong direction, you know, and anti-societal kind of direction. Um, although I'm 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 a big believer in anti anti-social behavior. Like I think we've, I think the balance needs to be between anti-social and social, not, um, anti-social is bad. It's like, you need to learn to go inside and be of your own and to thine own self be true. And then you also need to know how to interact with others. So it's a two, you got to develop the, the, the other side. I wouldn't call it anti-social. I would just say, you know, kind of like inward and then outward or whatever you want to call it. But anyway, so, um, but coming back to the subject, yes, if you, to go back towards the animal, um, if you look at pre-indigenous, pre-salt, not indige- indigenous tribes, but pre-salt cultures, I guess you could say. I mean, every tribe may have had access to some salt, but, you know, for preservation and different things. But but um, but a lot of these tribes, if you go back far enough, like aboriginals and stuff, like they, the salt that they ate was in the blood. So they would eat the blood of the animal, and that's how they got their salt. This is like way back. So are we going to go start drinking blood and all this kind of stuff? I doubt it. <laughs> and uh, But what – I mean even though cooked blood and like boudin sausage and a lot of different things like that are totally palatable and delicious. So that's another story. But um, but um, taking this um, this road back towards the animal would be – you know, as soon as the it, indigenous, indigenous people started to take the salt – it started to destroy the olfactive uh, properties, and they were not able to smell as much. And this is a fact. You can test this on yourself anyway. Salt is, you, know, you can make bombs out of salt. Salt is very explosive in the body too and what it does. And so it's not technically, it's a good thing like Celtic salt, not like mine salt, but like real salt that has like iodine and it's kind of wet and gray and humid and all that stuff. This is a really good thing for, for the brain and for the digestion and everything else carbohydrates and, and but um so and it's part of civilization the whole route of civilization were created through salt salt routes like there's kind of a following of that and so there's nothing wrong with that but what it is, is when you need to go back you have to get rid of salt completely for about three weeks and you have to go into a raw meat diet which i would never recommend normally i wouldn't tell people go eat like raw meat for three weeks and become semi-animalistic and t- don't take any salt. <laughs> like that would be like horrible to like recommend that in a general way because I've done that and and it's not it's not like you know three weeks is fine but if you do that for two or three months it starts to pull you out of society a little bit and it and it can be 
um, overly intense to some degree. So, but this tool can be very interesting if you're stuck. If you're stuck and you can't get your odor, your um, odor. I, I was saying it in French, but if you can't get your your um, smell, sense of smell back because of coronavirus or flu or whatever it is. Um, then you can do this technique. And so when you're eating the meat, you can eat it like, like tartare is probably the best, like the French tartare, you know, they cut like, you take like, you can go buy like anything from heart to, 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 um, you know, grass fed, hundred percent grass fed, grass finished, not grass fed, but grass finished, sorry, or a hundred percent grass fed, which is the same thing typically. Um, and typically from a farmer's market, not from a grocery store. But if you can find this kind of source, then you can and you can buy like a manual grinder if you need one. And you make you can make the ground meat or you can chop it like the French do with a knife. And, and that's actually the preferable one for the stomach because there's a little more chewing involved. And so um, so this kind of um, tartare you could make daily. And this would be your main protein. Like you'd have it once or twice a day and it was this would be your main protein. Everything else you can stick with like potatoes and salad and stuff like that but there's a little caveat you want to stay away from salt a little bit of mustard here and there uh, maybe a little bit of tabasco every once in a while like there's some things like that um but with the meat you can you can um you can take like um mango or i don't really like mango but um, i mean i typically eat it with capers but in this exact diet you don't do that right so you're going to take away the salt and you're going to um you know you maybe banana or some other kind of mango or something that you can eat with the meat now see typically good meat not soy fed animal meat and grocery store meat and all this kind of stuff good meat will really if it's fresh it'll have really no taste it'll be almost like neutral and as you start to eat it more and more each day it will start to grow in its taste like you'll start to taste the sweetness of the meat and the sweetness of the blood. And you're you're going back to the animal is what's happening. And so it's not like you don't have to think of it in a, like an anti-spiritual kind of sense that you're going away from spirit into like animal kingdom. You're not. You're just going for a few weeks to recover this, to recover this sense back. And, um, uh, and you know, I don't want people to be depressed from a lack of smell and be stuck and feel like they lost this. And, you know, I want to try to, I have my heart, I have a heart, you know, I want to try to help people if I can to get out of those situations. So this is one way out. And so you would just have the meat as your main protein for three weeks and no salt. So you wouldn't use salt in anything, maybe a little mustard here and there, but not with every meal, not with the meat. Like you can put it on some things. I mean, you don't want to aggravate and over frustrate your system. But you want to kind of like you want to desalt a little bit. It might even help you in the future to to help with salt intake, because salt is a good thing, but you can't abuse it. And um, and especially whenever you're learning to use Celtic salt, um, which is like this gray, humid kind of rock, you know, Celtic. I think you Salina or Salima or something like that is the brand at Whole Foods. I don't know. So it's from France. It's from Brittany. Um, uh, and so this is kind of the best salt you can find and it still has some of the iodine in there so this is like a, a natural iodine salt um i'm not saying it's supposed to replace your iodine whatever i'm just saying it's in there so um um which i don't touch anyway because that's not even iodine that's iodide and it's like a radioactive version of it and so i don't even mess with that salt but anyway um 
Um, just on a little short note, one of the things I've been doing for iodine lately is I leave the vanilla extract, not not Mexican, but I leave the vanilla extract on the table and on the counter now, and I use it with everything. This has a lot of cofactors which help the iodine that's already readily available in the environment. If there is in, um, readily available, it helps to assimilate it. Uh, it's like all these cofactors. So I've noticed that vanilla extract is a key player in that, like a medicine, and it should be used daily. Like I wake up in the morning and I'll have butter with my like pumpernickel rye that's toasted from Westphalia with a little Jewish star on it. This special rye where they spend 24 hours to make it. And I, I, I cut that up, <clears throat> mix it with the, uh, uh, quite a nice chunk of butter and uh, some honey and then I pour the vanilla in there and that's my daily kind of breakfast or whatever you want to call it. So um, that's that's a side note again. But um, coming back, so this will take you back. This will bring back your sense of smell. And sometimes it'll bring it back so intensely that you'll be like, you can smell people detoxing from like 10 feet. Like it can be intense. So that's, that's why I always recommend three weeks and then cut it off. Don't go any further. And you've learned something about yourself and, you know, there, and you can strengthen yourself too in that period um, with the meat and the testosterone and things that come through the red meat. Um, so it's not the most fun phase because I think that people like with going out and all that, it's not really, you know, but you're trying to get this sense of smell back. And this is what I can tell you will work. I also did a little bit of snorting, not snorting magnesium oil, but like the transdermal, the stuff that we carry, don't get the wrong stuff. It doesn't work the same. Um, it has to be, has the, has to have the Zextine inside logo on the bottle or it's fake Zextine. So, um, and they, you know, it's solvent extracted from Asia, not natural state, which changes its molecular capacity. So if you get the right stuff, it's always in glass bottles, blue glass bottles on our site at theheartoftradition.com. But if you, um, so you can snort a little bit of this or sniff it or whatever you want to bring it into the, and it burns, you know, and I'm not saying a lot. You put, you just put some on your fingers and stick that in your nose and then just kind of breathe that in. It'll sting for about 10 minutes. You'll be like, ah, and I'd probably recommend you getting used to the product first, like maybe doing some on the stomach for a few days and just getting kind of like, hello, you know, to the product before you just go crazy in the nose. But, um, or you can, you know, mix it with some water maybe and dilute it. But anyway, so if you go straight, this will help clean out some of the receptors there uh, in the olfactive receptors. So it can help there. It won't cure it, but it'll help. And so this kind of one-two punch, I think, is a really positive way to get your sense of smell back if you've lost it. And also come and check us out and get the right products for that first part of it. But also for the rest, you know, I'm here to help people. And the magnesium is so ubiquitous. It's not like I'm trying to just sell people stuff. It's like it's needed at the molecular level for a lot of stuff. <laughs> and then to add to that, there's other tricks you can do. So if two months goes by and you haven't been able to pull up out of it or you sense that it's not coming back, well, you have another solution. So come check us out at theheartoftradition.com.